0: Our focus must be riveted on the Saviour and His Gospel. It is mentally rigorous to strive to look unto Him in every thought. But when we do, our doubts and fears flee. When we draw His power into our lives, both He and we will rejoice. Welcome everyone to the Doubt Not, Fear Not Podcast Today, we're here with Bishop Paolo Pozzonio of the Massy Ward in the Henderson Stake, and we're grateful for him and his time to be able to share with us today. My name is Philip Skeen, and I'm the Auckland City Building Institute Director, and we're grateful to be here on this podcast. The topic of our podcast today is the divine purposes of sexual intimacy. And so with this request that we've had from young adults, we wanted to explore understanding that God-given gift of sexuality within the plan of happiness and how this helps us understand the importance of not only the law of chastity, but our opportunity to become like our heavenly father in this, this sacred role as our parents in, in marriage. And so I'd like to introduce Bishop Bazonian. He works for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in welfare and family services. And he is a registered psychologist and has had many, many years of experience in working with not only individuals, uh, in couples, but with some of the topics that we're going to be discussing today, not only an ecclesiastical aspect, but also a professional. And so, Bishop Sonia welcome.
1: Yes, thank you, Philip. I appreciate this topic. It, it is one that we don't speak uh, a lot of in the church. And then when we do talk about the law of chastity, and in particular sexual intimacy, it's often discussed in the don'ts, in terms of the law of chastity. And I, I think As a result of that, the the unintended consequences are often one that people either don't talk about it or they only talk about it in a very limited way. When we talk about the law of chastity, it encompasses not only sexual intimacy, but it actually encompasses all forms of intimacy from physical intimacy to intellectual intimacy to emotional intimacy. Uh, intimacy is, for example, you can be intimate with a, a total stranger in the street if you stop by and and have a, a connection with that person. So w- when we think of intimacy, we tend to think only of it in terms of sexual intimacy, but in fact, intimacy has a, a very broad scope and it can be experienced on different in different ways. And as we grow up in church, often in terms of the law of chastity, that creates some negative conditioning. And that negative conditioning often clouds the way we see or understand sexual intimacy. I think it's important for us to be Mindful that sexual intimacy, which is largely influenced by the human condition, which we sometimes refer to as the sexual drive, which is primarily designed so that we are attracted to another human being, which is a vital component to the plan of salvation. Sometimes one may use the term with a married couple that they invite our Heavenly Father's children to the earth through marriage and then eventually engaging in sexual intimacy. So it's important to reiterate that these feelings and these drivers that we have are very powerful. But more importantly, they are intended and they are God-given and that they are sacred, which is why our Heavenly Father has given us the Lord chastity, because these drivers are so strong and so powerful and have such a significant impact on individuals, we did need some some direction in terms of how to apply this sacred power appropriately. So often when we we think of sexual intimacy, we may assume that it's connected only to procreation. And although this is an important component to uh, sexual intimacy, sometimes we may think because of the way the law of chastity is taught, is that it's the only use of the sexual drive that human beings have. And of course, it does play an important role in the plan of salvation. But there are other aspects which are just as important. That of not only is it for the use of procreation, but it's also for the use of human connection. Connecting with your spouse that way is a much more powerful connection in terms of the emotional connection that couples have, and it's about learning who each other are, what's important to them, and what makes them feel like they are valued in a relationship. Now, often in terms of understanding the sacredness um, of sexual intimacy, it's important for us to understand why this law needs to be Guided by our Heavenly Father's wisdom, because it it is such a, a it is one of the most exalting powers that are present in the universe. To give you some perspective, if we think about Heavenly Father, Him being a God, what distinguishes Him between Himself being a God and, say, the angels or the servants of God? And it's precisely this: it's the fact that our Heavenly Father has the ability to have children and so the use of these powers are exalting it is what distinguishes uh, a person from being a god from being not a god and so when you see it from that perspective it gives you an idea of how sacred and how exalting this power is and that when it is respected and used appropriately, it has enormous ability to realize our full potential, which is to become exalted. And so you can see how important our understanding of the correct use of the law of chastity, and particularly sexual intimacy, is with regards to who we are, how we respect this this divine drive within ourselves.
0: I was reading from the August uh, 2020 Enzyme regarding a quote by Eldon's sister Redlin that they had shared and it says, Heavenly Father intends that sexual relations in marriage be used to create children and to express love and strengthen the emotional, spiritual and physical connected connections between husband and wife. In marriage, sexual intimacy should unite wife and husband together in trust, devotion and consideration for each other. Sexual relations within marriage must respect the agency of both partners and should not be used to control or dominate. And so with what you said, I really appreciated that because sometimes we think of what it says in the family proclamation in the first commandment given to Adam and Eve for husband and wife to multiply and replenish the earth. And then at the same time, the part of of the proclamation where you read it and and it's important that you become one and you express that love and strengthen each other in a number of different ways, emotionally, spiritually, physically, and you literally in every way become one. I just appreciated that you you touched on that. I,
1: I think the power to become one lies in the correct application of the law of chastity because our heavenly Father has instructed his children that sexual intimacy is only allowed within the, the bounds of marriage. And then once a, a couple are married, then complete fidelity needs to be a, required. So what, what we are really learning there is that the sexual experience between two people should be unique to those two people. And if you think about that concept, it's a very powerful concept to consider because when two people do something for the first time with each other, it creates a unique bond that can't be created in any other circumstances. So when you think about the law of chastity and its application in that way, You you can then understand how this concept of becoming one is largely influenced by the application of the law of chastity and how it's applied in sexual intimacy. So you can see this uniqueness that comes into the marriage where it, it can only be performed in the environment of a marriage. And so it creates a very special bond between two individuals because it is unique to those two individuals and through that process of that uniqueness, it galvanates that relationship and it has that that intended uh, desire to help them to become one purely because they both have experienced something unique just between the two of them and no one else.
0: So Bishop, what is appropriate and what is inappropriate in terms of sexual intimacy? within marriage?
1: That's a great question because I think there's a lot of variation in what couples will accept and I'm not saying accept something that's inappropriate to be okay. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is the Lord knows the human body and so He's purposely not indicated everything that's appropriate and inappropriate but given us some general guidelines. For example, a very clear guideline in terms of what's appropriate and what's inappropriate, is committing adultery. Now, if a couple is married, then there must be a complete fidelity. So any sexual relationships with a married couple outside of that, that relationship is wrong. Another very clear guideline for what's inappropriate is to engage in any form of sexual relationships outside of of the the, the bounds of marriage and so what we have to understand when it comes to discerning between what's appropriate and what's inappropriate there are some dynamics that influence that between couples that can be anything from their value system it can be also influenced by their upbringing it can be influenced by negative experiences associated with anything of a sexual nature in terms of, say, for example, sexual abuse or any form of abuse, when couples take these experiences into a marriage, then sometimes individuals can create perceptions of what is appropriate and inappropriate within marriage. And what we have to be careful of is that when it comes to trying to discern between what's appropriate and inappropriate, there there are a couple of things to keep in mind. The first one is, one, are we worthy and are we in tune with the spirit. That is a, a prerequisite to be able to dis- discern between uh, what's appropriate and what's inappropriate. But there is another dynamic which I was referencing earlier on, and that is any negative experience an individual has had associated with abuse or sexual intimacy, they bring that into the marriage. And because of that, they may have their own Views and perceptions of what is appropriate and inappropriate. And as a result of those experiences, sometimes they may think that what is inappropriate could be appropriate. And that's really important for a couple to work out. So sometimes some of those experiences that people bring into the marriage may cloud what is appropriate and what is inappropriate. And sometimes it becomes confusing. And that confusion can create a lot of frustration in relationships and in marriage. And so that needs to be explored between a husband and a wife, which doesn't come naturally. And they go into the marriage ill-equipped or not even aware that sexual intimacy is something that a husband and wife learn together. And to teach each other what is appropriate, what they feel comfortable with and what doesn't fit well with them. And of course, we have to keep in mind that when couples get married, they may think that now that they're married, they can engage in sexual intimacy, thinking that, oh, it's simple, it just happens like this. And it's not quite like that. It's actually a complex component of marriage that requires a lot of discussion, a lot of indicating and telling each other what one is comfortable with and what is not comfortable with, and being able to explore, for example, sometimes with negative conditioning, something that may be appropriate may feel inappropriate, and to explore what does that look like and how can we work that out and to work through that with each other. And also, if I go back to the other concept of trying to identify what's appropriate and what's inappropriate, I refer to the importance of us being in tune with the spirit and that will help us discern between what is appropriate and inappropriate and what would be acceptable. For example, selfish behavior where one uh, spouse is demanding a particular way or a particular behavior or a particular act may not be appropriate when used to coerce or manipulate the relationship then that is also inappropriate. When it clashes or conflicts with with an individual's value system, then that needs to be worked through uh, as to whether it's more an issue of incorrect perceptions of what is appropriate and what is not and how that value system has been developed. And of course, one of the gold standards in terms of what's appropriate and what's inappropriate is there must be consent. There must be consent by both individuals So whatever the the requests are or whatever their sexual intimacy contains or entails is something that both parties are comfortable with, that they agreed to, and that it is something that creates and fulfills and enhances the relationship as opposed to puts any strain on it. So in terms of the question what's appropriate and what's inappropriate, the, the following questions may be helpful as you discuss any dispute in sexual activity. Does either spouse feel demeaned? degraded or objectified? Does the behavior maintain the dignity of both spouses? Another question is, what is motivating the desire for the behavior? What is motivating the other spouse's response? Would God approve of the behavior? So these questions that I've just referred to now come from a a really... Um, excellent book that I reference often in my work, which is one of the best books I've found in the church that addresses this topic of intimacy and in particularly sexual intimacy and sexual fulfillment. The name of the book, and I really love the title, um, it's called And They Were Not Ashamed, and it's written by a a member, and her name is Laura Brotherson. And she, as a married uh, woman, found herself feeling really inadequate around this concept in marriage. And she admitted as a couple, they struggled in this area to the point where the the concept of sexual intimacy became a turnoff. Something that they did not engage in, which I think can create all kinds of problems because one of the primary components and aspects of marriage is to engage in sexual fulfillment and sexual intimacy. And so she decided to research this topic within the church and write a book. And the outcome um, of this research, she compiled what she had learned. And this is both in terms of the scriptures, in terms of church leaders, and from her own personal experience. And so it's a great book, a great resource, a great reference for couples out there. I highly recommend it, especially for newly marrieds. I can promise you that as you work through this book as a couple, you will learn a lot about this topic. But also you will learn to challenge some of the possible inaccurate perceptions that you may bring into a relationship, particularly in, in terms of sexual intimacy. You will learn a lot about how you can enhance this component in your marriage, which is such an important component. You will learn how different the male and the female body is, and you will learn how different the expectations of the male and the female are, and how to navigate that complexity, which we all have to do, because it's a reality.
0: As I think of our audience, the young adults, and them preparing to one day be married and be able to engage in this opportunity that our Heavenly Father has provided for us in terms of sexual intimacy, some of us might not have been taught about, as you mentioned previously, the positive aspects of sexuality, only the negative consequences of violating the Lord's chastity. Or maybe we weren't taught anything about sexual purity. And with so much of what, as you mentioned, we learned about sexuality coming from media, those skewed messages combined with a lack of understanding about God's view of sexuality can contribute to unhealthy relationships, perhaps pornography use, and maybe abusing others' agency, as you talked about, what's appropriate, what's inappropriate. What counsel can you provide for our young adults? who may not be married at this time, as they prepare for marriage and prepare for sexual intimacy?
1: It's a really important question because, as mentioned, often young single adults will think that once they're married they can start engaging in sexual intimacy and that it's a a simple process that uh, will sort of uh, work out by itself. And that is an incorrect perception. So how do Latter-day Saints prepare themselves to enter into that relationship when all their life they've been taught to not engage? in that in any way, and then to expect them to suddenly know how to engage in that behavior because they're married. One of the precautions and dangers that we have in society today is that sex and sexual intimacy can be taught on the internet. And the internet is a place where both good and bad reside. And it is for us to decide where do we go to understand and learn about certain things are important to us. So one of the things that is a major problem in the society today is that a lot of sexual education takes place within the, the realms of pornography. And this is not God's way of sexual intimacy. This is a counterfeit and it is the complete opposite. But if that's been your form of education, then you are going to take that mindset and that perception of what sexual intimacy should be and what it looks like into the marriage. And it's going to create problems because it is not designed to be applied in that way. So if that's been your source of education, then understand that you have developed an accurate perception of how to apply sexual intimacy in the marriage. So it's really important to understand that so that you are aware that's not how you learn about sexual intimacy and that it'll create a lot of damage taking it into the marriage. So how do young single adults and any others who are entering into marriage learn about what is appropriate and what to think about in preparation for going into a marriage? Well, the most natural place, which very seldom occurs, is within the family and between children and parents. That would be the place that it should take place, it should occur. One of the fundamental mistakes that parents make, and this is probably good for young single adults to know prior to getting married and before they have children, is that teaching children about the law of chastity and sexual intimacy should start, not when they are 11 or 12. And again, there there are uh, uh, wonderful resources within the church, but there is a booklet That was published many years ago, and it's often a forgotten resource in the church that talks about sexual intimacy and sexuality, which is a great resource for parents. Because the book provides resources and guidance in how to teach your children from birth. That's right, from birth up until 17. And each chapter targets a particular age group. That is a really great resource that you can use. A parent's guide, yep. I mean, each chapter, so it says, it, so chapter three, teaching infants and toddlers from birth to, to approximately three years. And it goes through each chapter for the different age groups. Uh, that's a, a great resource and, and one that I highly recommend for younger, newly marrieds who are about to have children. As previously mentioned, ideally that should have come from your parents. If you have that type of relationship. With your parents, certainly you can initiate that conversation and start to to talk about this topic with your parents. What's important is that you have the type of relationship with your parents where something of this nature can be discussed and whether that would be something that would be done properly or done well and that it's not sort of a strained conversation that probably may be more off-putting than helpful but yes absolutely a conversation with a parent is really helpful or a conversation with someone you trust who's married and talking to them about what it was like for them to explore this concept in their marriage what were the challenges how did they resolve them etc is ways in which you can consider and, and think about this topic and get some direction
0: do you say that i think to myself i don't even know if i had this conversation at all i think the topic of conversation is what are you going to do to provide for family one day all of these other practical yeah. things of being a parent of being a provider a protector mm-hmm. as, as outlined in the family proclamation and this wasn't even on the list to discuss but it's still taboo as you mentioned it's an awkward one it's probably something you don't want to talk about with leaders or parents or even the bishop and yeah and it just becomes a a topic of oh no i'm not discussing that with anyone
1: yeah and there are many reasons and you've mentioned them so it's awkward but one of the misperceptions again is because of it being Mm, sort of taboo or sacred right because it's so sacred you're not supposed to discuss it with anybody else now that's not true right Uh, Yes, it is sacred. And yes, we discuss this in a way, in a manner that's appropriate. And keeping with the reverence and sacredness of the law of chastity and sexual intimacy. But that doesn't preclude the the fact that we shouldn't be discussing it. We should be talking about it. And uh, having those open and frank conversations. Because that is appropriate. Even though it's very sacred. That's
0: really helpful. We talked about this previously, the August 2020 edition of the Ensign has some great articles regarding fostering a positive perspective of sexuality, of sexual intimacy, as Alan Sister Redland share one there. There's the Young Adult Weekly. There's a few articles there. And so geared towards not only the general membership of the church, but specifically our young adults, learning to see sexuality as a, as a sacred gift. How I learned to understand God's view of sexuality, living the law of chastity in a dating world full of gray areas, bridling our passions, how to align sexual thoughts and feelings with the Lord's expectations, and and some other experiences that young adults have have shared there. So feel free to go and check that out after this episode. Bishop, what is... The male and female experience in regards to sexual intimacy and how that may be viewed or experienced.
1: That, that, that's a really good question because often couples go into marriage thinking they they operate the same and that sexual intimacy will just follow a natural course because they're so similar. Now that that is not true, and that's why couples get into problems in this area because. They think that they are both very similar in how they experience sexual fulfillment. So there's nothing more far from the truth than that. To give an example, the male and female body are totally different. And because they are totally different, their experience of sexual intimacy is totally different. And if their experience of sexual intimacy so, is so different then couples have to learn how to satisfy each other. Because if you make the assumption that we work the, our bodies work the same way, then you're going to only understand sexual fulfillment from your own perspective. And you will expect that that's going to be the same for the spouse. And that's not true. And that creates all kinds of problems. And to be sort of candid here because sometimes we have to when we talk about the subject let's make some obvious statements for example the male sexual reproductive organ is external whereas the female is internal and they operate in very different ways for example males if you would describe how the male responds to the sexual drive males tend to be sort of ready to go Right? It's almost like you can press a button and they're ready to engage in, in sexual intimacy and that's how males tend to be. But now if we think of females, they are totally different. Males tend to be ready to go. Females, they have to be warmed up to the idea. And so females, you don't press a button and they're ready for sexual intimacy. It's a different process. And so if you don't understand these dynamics, and I'm just talking about the physical dynamic, I'm talking about the male and I'm talking about the body's anatomy and how those anatomies are different between male and female and and what works and, and what doesn't. That's important for the couple to explore with each other. So this is the kind of area that I'm referring to where Heavenly Father purposely hasn't given us direction because this is something that we have to work out between individuals. It's not a general thing that we talk about. So how a male and a female prepare themselves for sexual intimacy is different. And if that is not understood, it creates all kinds of problems. In that aspect of marriage. So again I'm talking about how different male and female are. Males engage in, in sex to feel loved. Females feel loved because before they can engage in sex. You see the difference? In other words the how people, how sex influences, how people feel in that relationship sits at different places. For example, like I said, the male, when, they, when the male engages in sexual intimacy, that reinforces uh, that they are loved by their spouse. But for the female, they must first feel that they are loved. Then they can engage in sexual intimacy. So that it's the opposite. It's very different. And so what we're really saying here is, and this is an important concept to keep in the sexual experience for males is, is predominantly physical, and that's the focus of the male, and that's where they get uh, their sexual fulfillment from. Whereas for the woman, the experience of sexual intimacy is largely related to their emotions, how they feel connected to the spouse. And if, if that's not understood, it creates all kinds of misunderstandings, unfulfilled feelings, perceptions that may result in people feeling like they're not loved, they're not cared for, they're objectified, etc. And sometimes that's related to the fact that male and females just don't realize how different they are. And to be candid, again, the sexual fulfillment of a male comes from release that's where the sexual fulfillment comes from. But for a female, the sexual fulfillment comes from a buildup of emotions. So in one sense, for the male, it's a release. For the, woman, for the female, it's a buildup. The experience is so different. And so you have to accommodate both of those in different ways with the, the male and the female. So intimacy is about give and take. It's about, okay, these aspects of sexual intimacy is important to you, and I'm recognizing that, and I want to provide that. And then that may swing to the other spouse and say, okay, this is the way you derive your fulfillment, and this is the way that I need to provide that. And so you see how unique this operates between couples, which is why Heavenly Father doesn't give us that very detailed direction in terms of sexual intimacy. Is because it's actually more about how the couple experience that and that they have to work it out between the two of them. And that requires a lot of trust between the spouses because you're going to talk about things that will set you up to feel very vulnerable because this is about some very unique aspects of you as a human being. And when you recognize that and you respect that and you provide that, You're now tapping into, again, that uniqueness of the relationship, which is coming back to the purpose of sexual intimacy and the law of chastity and marriage, which is becoming one. And one of the the biggest contributing factors to a couple becoming one is the unique experiences between the two of them. And you can see how in the area of uh, sexual intimacy, it is rich with that potential. As you understand how that works for each other and how you can provide that for each other so that you both feel fulfilled, you both feel respected, and you both feel satisfied.
0: A few of those words there brought me back to the scriptures of Genesis 2.24. which is, it says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And so I know we touched on that previously, and and you you made me think of a quote by David A. Bednar of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles where he explained, intimate relations are not merely a curiosity to be explored, an appetite to be satisfied, or a type of recreation or entertainment to be pursued selfishly. They are not a conquest to be achieved, or simply an act to be performed. Rather, they are in mortality, one of the ultimate expressions of our divine nature and potential, and a way of strengthening emotional and spiritual bonds between husband and wife. So appreciate those thoughts, and, and the description mm-hmm. quote came to mind. Out of Holland, he says, with the gift of the atonement of Jesus Christ and the strength of heaven to help us, we can improve. And the great things about the gospel is we get credit for trying even if we don't always succeed so hey we're trying today we're trying i feel like there's going to be some things here that are going to be helpful for some for some they already know and that's all right because we're trying to talk about something that they've asked for and i feel like it will be of benefit for someone out there and if it reaches someone that's better than no one. And that's what we're working with are the ones.
1: And if it's done nothing yeah. but, first of all, get them thinking. And then secondly, maybe talking. Whether it's to the peers or someone, that is a success for me. Because I think we would have yeah. said some things today that they've never thought of. We may not see the results from a, a response to the podcast, but there, there may be results yeah. that we will never know. I just
0: want to say thank you so much, Bishop Azania, for being here today, for not only your uh, spiritual advice and counsel as a bishop, but also your professional advice and counsel as a as a trained counselor and psychologist. And so I, I want to refer back to For Strength of Youth a pamphlet where it talks about sexual purity and it says... According from the family proclamation, the sacred powers of procreation are to be employed only between man and woman, lawfully wedded as husband and wife. And then the first paragraph I'd like to read also is physical intimacy between husband and wife is beautiful and sacred. It is ordained of God for the creation of children and for the expression of love between husband and wife. God has commanded that sexual intimacy be reserved for marriage. There's standards there and for young adults there for adults there for everyone and this is a blessing for us as God's children and as you prepare for this standard that the Lord has set for you as you prepare for an eternal companion and marriage in the temple I know this helps us to fulfill what it says in Messiah chapter two verse forty one where King Benjamin desired that we should consider on the blessed and happy state of those that keep the commandments of God. They are blessed in all things, both temporal and spiritual. And if we hold out faithful to the end, we are received into heaven, that thereby they may dwell with God in a state of never-ending happiness. And that's the purpose and design of, of us here as his children, to become like him, to become like our heavenly parents. And so I just wanted to share those thoughts. Thank you once again, Bishop.
1: Well, uh, thank you, Brother Skeen, for the opportunity to be part of this podcast. Hopefully, this is the the start of initiating more people thinking about this topic and exploring the understanding of how this principle and concept translates to uh, a marriage relationship. And so I'm I'm hoping that from our discussion today, if nothing else, it maybe has opened the eyes. Or some of our listeners, and got them thinking about uh, a comment that was made here and there. Either it may have disp- an inaccurate perception. It's been a, a great opportunity to talk about this topic so that it can be something that is not seen as so sacred that it can't be talked about, but it's so sacred that it should be talked about so that it could be understood, and uh, with that understanding comes the promised blessings of our Heavenly Father that you will read from various scriptures related to the sacredness of marriage and the exalting power that's within marriage.
0: Thank you once again, Bishop, and have a great rest of the day.
1: Doubt Not, Fear Not
0: podcast series has been produced out of the Auckland Institute building with contributions from young adults across New Zealand. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. To direct others to this podcast or listen to other episodes in this series, or to enroll in the institute class associated with the podcast, see our website at doubtnotfearnot.podbean.com this recording is not an official publication of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints the views expressed are those of the participants and are neither the official doctrine nor the official teachings of the church